Parenting with the Pros and Cons. I'm Chinsia Filipovsky. And I'm Dr. Molly O'Shea. And today we'll be discussing how to get your teenagers to communicate. But first, let's start with some introductions. I'm Chinsia Filipovsky, and I'm a certified positive discipline educator. I am a full-time working mom of two twin five-year-old boys. And like you, I'm still just trying to figure this out. So together, I know we can. So let's do it. Molly? And I'm Dr. Molly. I'm a pediatrician. I've been in practice for about 30 years. I've also been uh, an editor for the American Academy of Pediatrics. I've raised four kids to adulthood, and I've had to be with teenagers a lot in the exam room and at home. And we do have some great strategies to talk through today about how to get your teenager to talk to you. First, I'm going to talk through a little scenario. Any of you who have teenagers, this is going to sound very familiar to you. Your teenager comes home from school and you say, hey, great to see you. How was your day? And they say, fine. And then they go off to their room and they close the door and you pretty much don't see them until dinner time. When they come out for dinner, if they come out for dinner, you have dinner together and you say, tell me what was the best part of your day? And they say, nothing or it was all boring. And that's about all you get at dinner time. You might ask them, what are your friends doing? What are you and your friends doing this weekend? And they'll say, mom, we don't even know yet. It's only Thursday. And then off they go to their room again and you don't see them until the next day. It's frustrating as a parent. We've all been there. You wanna know what your kid is feeling, what they're up to, what they're thinking, and yet, they have no interest in sharing any of that with you. So what do you do? I mean, how do you get your kids to talk to you at this age? It can be really, really tough. I know, Chinsia, you've got uh, a nephew who you've had a pretty good relationship with, and you've had some turbulent of these challenges. <laughs> yes, right, exactly. Yes. So, so talk a little bit times. about that. Yeah, talk a little bit about that, and then we'll get into some, what strategies have you found that have, have helped you get him to talk well, to you? Well, I can, I can uh, just really relate with the frustration. You know, it's so frustrating when you are trying your boss to just, uh, you know, be in a cheery mood. First of all, teenagers are cranky. And so that's really frustrating and hard to deal with. And just, you know, trying to be in a good mood and do positive things. And in my situation, I don't live with the teenager, but the teenager sometimes comes and stays with us at, in our home. And um, they, they, to me, are like toddlers in a lot of ways. They still act out. They still want the attention. And I think they just don't know how to communicate that to you um, as the adult. Um, so uh, I'm still working through this, um, still, you know, in those prime teenage years, uh, still got a lot of I don't knows as answers. Um, but what I have found to really work for me has been um, just stop and listen and um, try to not give much um, as far as advice, if you will. I just try to listen, listen, listen. And um, it's really hard because I have had some moments of reacting um, and it's it hasn't been pretty, um, I'll admit that. And um, it's taken some time and effort to move past that. Um, so I, I know Dr. Molly, you've got a lot of advice to give us on this. What, what do you think is good advice for parents in these situations? 
Well, I think first parents need to remember that teenagers are supposed to be separating from you. And, and that's the key part of the job of adolescence. Teenagers are supposed to be becoming individuals, separating from the family, and that's the primary job of adolescence. In order to do that, they need to separate in whole, all kinds of ways. They need to separate emotionally. They need to separate in their ideation, like the way they think. And, and, the, and as a result, like if you are politically on one end of the spectrum, your teenager may experiment and be politically at the other end of the spectrum. Religiously, the same kinds of things you can see happening because kids need to try to figure out who they are. And who they are is often, um, at first at least, an experiment in the opposite or a very different reflection on who the family is because kids are trying to figure out who they are. So separating from the family, since that is, or separating from parents, is the biggest job of adolescence, it's very hard then for kids because they've got this push-pull. They know they need their parents they know they need their parents' support. They know they want their parents' love. And yet they need to find their own way in the world. So that push-pull creates conflict within them. And that conflict within them out, pours out into conflict within that relationship. So sometimes the teenager becomes quiet because they don't want that conflict to spill over into the relationship. So a quiet teenager is often a teenager who's trying to avoid conflict in that relationship. So one way parents can try to bridge that relationship is to, like Chintzia beautifully said, is listen. So as you begin to see your your teenager trying on new, new aspects of themselves, whether it's in the way they dress or in the way they kind of swagger or in the way they wear their hair. It's important to be careful in the way you talk about those things and talk about it from a point of curiosity as, a as opposed to from a, from a point of judgment. And that's challenging as a parent. And here's how it can sound, right? So you can say, what's going on with your hair? Or you can say, wow, your hair looks really cool. What are you doing differently? And those two statements really send a very different set of messages to your child. One invites conversation and the other shuts it down. So as parents, I think it's going to be important to be careful about how we say things. I remember this time, my, my oldest child came home. They were, uh, they were maybe 18 or 19 at the time. They came home on Mother's Day with a nose ring. Yes, folks, a nose ring. You know, the kind that goes like in the septum of your nose, the middle part. And I was flabbergasted. It was just, I'm thinking, it's Mother's Day, for God's sake. Could you have picked any other day to do this? And yet, I just said, wow, that is really interesting. What does it feel like? 
how do you blow your nose? You know, I approached it from a point of curiosity and it's made, it makes all the difference. So that's one tool in the toolkit is to approach your, your teenager's way of trying out new things with curiosity, not judgment. And you will open up lines of communication. So, so how do we still, how do we still get teenagers to do things? Uh, you know, we, we want, let's talk about that a bit. I know we want to get them to communicate. We want to be able to um, have them open up. And, and Dr. Molly has given us some great points of being non-judgmental. I agree with that. That's so hard. I have failed at that myself. It's, it's hard to reel back words, um, but we can just start over again. That's, that's my, my biggest thing uh, is we, you know, the next day or the next time is, is a new, a new time. But how do we get teenagers to do things that we need them to do? So, um, you know, a nose ring, as Dr. Molly pointed out, uh, we can we can smile and hope to God that they might change their mind with that nose ring. But what if it's just household things? They're a pig, you know, they're a pig in their room and you want them to clean it up. Um, you know, so what are some things we can do with that? Um, you know, something that I know works and, um, you know, Dr. Molly will definitely give us some more ideas. I think that keeping it short and sweet is really another way to 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 work with teenagers don't lecture, don't give long explanations and, and big conversations, just one or two words works. Um, dish, sink. I, I know I've said that a lot of times, and it gets the point across. And they walk back, get their dish, it might be begrudgingly, but they'll do it. And then they'll walk back to the sink. And sometimes I feel like that's a victory that we just have to take. Um, Dr. Molly? Yeah, I think that um, for teenagers, especially, I think there is a difference between public areas of the house and their private space. Um, teenagers are um, really protective of their private space. And I think as parents, they're uh, one way to, um, to pick your battles, you know, as we all have to do, is to allow the, their private space to be theirs. Um, and I would discourage parents from invading their teenager's private space and uh, demanding things in that space. In public spaces of the house, it's different. And I do think that, you know, just being uh, kind of disrespectful of the whole family's space is a different story. And I agree that consistency is super important and making sure that your teenager understands and, and remembers the, the rules all along, you know, and as long as you've had those things in place all along, you will be more apt to get um, compliance with them than if you just sort of institute them at those teenage years. I think that um, I, would, I would encourage parents to, by the time kids are in early middle school, they should be responsible for their own laundry so that you are no longer having battles over the clothes on the floor or the dirty laundry or whatever. And that way, when they run out of clothes, they'll do their laundry. And if they're on the floor, they're wrinkled, whatever, it's up to them. You are out of the equation. You can just shut the door. You don't have to think about it. It's not on your radar. They have to be, they're also in charge of their bed sheets, their bed clothing, all of that. And that way you don't have to necessarily 
it may it may grind your gears, but it doesn't necessarily have to fall on your plate to be responsible for. Because I think what happens is parents of teenagers invite conflict by having all of these things remain on the list of things to um, micromanage. And teenagers look for opportunities to create reasons to push parents away. So when teenagers are pushing their parents away, it's in part because needs aren't being met in that relationship, whatever those needs are on the teenager's side. And so when parents see their kids being very angry at them all the time and uh, in you know inviting that kind of verbal conflict, defiant words or disrespectful, disrespectful words, it is in part because though that teen doesn't feel they're being heard. They're, they aren't being heard. And so the only way they feel they can be heard is to do so with defiance, to do so with disrespect. And that should be eye-opening for parents. You know, if that's the way your teenager is communicating with you, it's time to think, wow, how can I listen to my child differently and invite conversation? If your teenager comes to you late at night and wants to talk, do not turn that child away. Don't say, you know what? I'm really tired. I, I can't have this conversation right now. You yeah. just have that cup of coffee and you listen. Because right. I think teenagers and, want to talk at odd hours because that's who they are. It might be the car ride. It might be all Absolutely. kinds of different places. But whatever it is, you have to take advantage of that. Um, I want to revisit the, the private and public spaces in the home. Um, I completely agree with what Dr. Molly's saying, but I do defer a little bit. And I do think that we should be setting standards for what we want in our home. Um, but you need to start those earlier on in life. So if you've been a home that has been um, just really relaxed about how, uh, let's say, housekeeping has been done, then you can't expect a 16-year-old to suddenly keep their room tidy. It's just not going to happen. Um, but if you start earlier in life, I do think that you can set an expectation. Um, and I do agree with giving teenagers privacy, because um, I think that that is a huge thing that teenagers need is privacy. Um, we have to remember what we were like as teenagers. We have to remember that our parents didn't understand anything. Um, they just didn't understand regardless of what, you know, what might have been the reality. And so they do need some time. I think they need that time to figure things out. They need that time to talk to their friends. They need that time to think. They need that time to just try to figure things out. Um, but I do think that, um, you know, if we start those things earlier in life, uh, you know, making beds or not making beds or put, picking your clothes up off the ground or not having food in your room or whatever it might be, if you set a few rules um, throughout their lives, then I think that it is not unreasonable to still expect that as teenagers. Um, but as Dr. Molly pointed out, if you're having a like just a blowout fight over something, then it is time for you to step back. And um, that's actually what personally happened to me with this said teenager uh, relative uh, of mine that I adore and love. Um, but we had a full blowout and it took me a minute and it stunned me and it made me stop in my tracks and realize I can't have this discussion right now with 
with him um, because I'm just making it worse. Um, so well, and I, I think that's a great down. right, and I think that's a great tool in the toolkit too, is yes. to is to take a, a moment away. So if you feel like um, a, a you know a situation is getting out of hand emotionally for yourself or your teen, it is perfectly okay to say, you know what, I need a break. I'm going to come back in 10 minutes and we're going to talk again. But I do think it's very important to give that kid a time frame, whether it's 10 minutes or a half hour or tomorrow or whenever, so that they don't feel like they're being just set aside. Um, and But I think it is a great idea when you feel like I am no longer in control of my own feelings right now. I am just sort of like blowing them my stack. I need a timeout. Uh, exactly. I need a timeout. That's yes. right. Yes. I think it's, it's, first of all, it's great role modeling. And second of all, you know, you can come back and say, wow, I'm sorry. I got a little bit off the rails there. Yes. And I want to come back and revisit this because I love you and I want to have a relationship with you. So I do want to talk about other ways parents can open conversations with their kids. So it doesn't always get to a point where you're, you know, off the rails or having this, you know, intense um, conflict. Sometimes it's a very passive relationship, right? It's just the kid who's kind of grunting and you know, giving those one word answers. And, right. you know, how do you get that kid to, to, to open up to you? And I think that can be very, very challenging. Um, and for some, sometimes humor is a great way to, to break the ice with kids. So whether it's um, doing something goofy together, what like, uh, you know, some goofy TikTok dance, and then they'll say, you are so crazy. What are you doing? You are not even on TikTok, you know, or something like that. Or whether it's watching something together, if you can get your kid to watch something together with you that's funny or humorous, that can break down barriers, create connection in ways that then can open up conversation. Um, as well. And share an experience, I think is very important to that's share a great your own one, experiences. Um, because I think that if you're honest and you're opening up, they'll see that and, and that'll probe them to become more open and honest with you. Um, so I think that that's, that's something as well. Well, and share your mistakes. Yes, you know, I think yes, kids yes, are yes. also super like afraid to, to share their, their mishaps. And so, I mean, Lord knows I made a ton of mistakes when I was a teenager and young adult. And so sharing those do. with your kid. Yeah, well, that's, that's a given for me too. Still do. But, yes, yeah. Yes. So sharing those with your kid, you know, and say, oh, you would not believe the funny story I have to tell you about yes. my junior year in high school. Yes. You know, something like that can be um, a way to also give them a more yes. realistic idea of you but also yes. uh, a realistic idea of the fact that you are approachable to share some of these things with. And the other thing that I think is important to point out too, if you do have those moments or when you have those moments, when your teenager suddenly starts opening up or talking and whatever time of day or night that might be, just listen and don't offer advice. Um, and that's difficult. It's, God knows that's been something that um, I've had to really learn, and I still try to learn it um, every day. Don't give advice. Um, and if there's, listen, and then ask, you know, is there anything else you want to add to that? Is there anything else you want to say? 
ask permission to give advice. Would you like to know what I think? Would you like to know what I might recommend or anything in those ways? Because sometimes they don't want to hear anything. Sometimes we don't. We just want to vent. Um, And that's what they're doing. But if they're willing, and sometimes they will, you know, they they are opening up and sometimes they do want advice. Um, So then they'll say, okay, and they might say it in a way that's begrudging um, or in a negative, you know, negative verbal, you know, words. Um, They're saying in a negative way, but they really are looking for some advice maybe at the end. But you want to make sure and hear them out because sometimes what they've started off telling you might really not have anything to do with what they end up really wanting to talk about. So I think that that's important. They're kind of testing us. Um, I that's love why that. I go back to that. They're like toddlers because they're testing us again to see, can I trust them to hear me out and listen to me and be open? I love that. Yeah, I can't, I can't, I think that that is one of the most important take home messages of this, of this session is that when your teen talks to you, shut up, shut up and let them talk. Please, please, please don't offer strategies. Don't offer solutions. Don't offer advice. Just listen. The more you can be just lips tight and ears open, the more they will talk to you. And the more, as Chinsia said, the more you ask permission before giving strategies, solutions, or advice, the better. Because just like when you're talking to your spouse and you're just venting and they start giving you, you know, advice and you're like, unwanted advice. I did not want that. I yes. just wanted to and then vent. Thinking, you don't know what you're talking about. You exactly. weren't there. You don't And understand. then you call your girlfriend yes. because yes. your girlfriend will listen to you. You know, yeah. in the same way, your teenager is looking for a sounding board. Not And we have to trust that they know that. themselves and their life. They're the expert on what happened in their little in their world. And so we need to kind of hear that out. Yeah. And by doing that, they also begin to understand that we do trust them, you know, and, and by, you know, also as they talk through it, saying things like, wow, that really took courage or that, you know, that sounds like it was a really tough situation. Reflecting back on without judgment or without, I mean, in the sense of not giving advice, but just reflecting back on that experience and saying things that reinforce their strength, reinforce their decision-making, reinforce their emotional resilience, I think will um, encourage them to continue to come to you with their concerns or their feelings in the long run. And don't forget to always end with I love you and I accept you or I accept, you know, whatever your words are to your child to show them that you accept them no matter what. And I think that in the end, that's really all they want from us. And that's what will open them up more. So I think that's important um, because, you know, teenagers are afraid to let us in because they think that we're going to judge or that they're not living up to what we want them to be. So when they can feel confident in that, they will begin to open up more. Yeah. So, so to summarize. Yeah. yeah. So summing up, uh, yes. go ahead, Jens, uh, you sum up. <laughs> yes. Uh, one would be um, use little words and allow your teenager to uh, communicate to you, you know, whenever they 
want to open up, whether it's day or night, and don't turn them away. Um, allow that communication to happen, whether it's in the car or in your bedroom at midnight, um, the night before you have to wake up at five in the morning. It's important. They've come to you. Let them talk. Um, don't judge. Uh, don't give advice without asking for permission to give advice. Um, and also, you know, again, just uh, reiterate love and affection to your child. Uh, and if you're having difficulties with your child communicating, have some fun with your, your teenager. Uh, allow them opportunities just to be a teenager and have fun with their parent. Uh, and if you are having that, having difficulties in them listening to you, use, again, little words. We need to be quiet and allow them to talk. Um, any other tools, Dr. Molly, that you want to add to that as a summary? Um, I think you summed it up pretty I think well. we got it. Yeah. yeah, I think we got See, it. See, just like that, we've got it figured out. Now Boom. to only no put problem. it into real practice, right? Yes, that's right. <laughs> now we have to actually do it. So <laughs> we can make it sound easy, but it is tough. And just know that um, you're not alone and every parent experiences this. And in the end, you're going to have a great adult um, that you have helped become, uh, you know, positively uh, in the world, uh, you're, you're molding them, you're helping them become the adult that will do great things in the world. So uh, that's, all, that's all for our session today. Um, so Dr. Molly, tell everyone how they can get a hold of you. Yeah, so you can reach me. You can either follow me on Instagram at Dr. D-O-C-T-O-R, Molly O'Shea, or you can find me on my website, which is uh, DrMollyOshea.com, and I'm on Facebook as well. Chintia? And you can uh, find us uh, at ParentingWithTheProsAndCons.com. Great. Uh, thank you for joining us today. And uh, if you can, let us know any other topics that you'd be interested in hearing about or that any comments or suggestions that you have, we'd love to hear them. Great. Thanks for listening to this session of Parenting with the Pros and Cons. Talk to you next time. I'm Dr. Molly. And I'm Shinsia Filipovsky. Take care. Take care.